Greetings, folks, and welcome to episode 43 of the Far Beyond Metal podcast. I'm your host and guide on this metal journey, Daniel Cordova. In this episode, Eric Danielson of Watane talks about his first band, and I recommend Journal. Before all that, I speak with John Lowry, a.k.a. John 5. John is a goddamn legend, plain and simple. He's perhaps most known for his work with Rob Zombie and Marilyn Manson, but has a long, long list of artists that he's done session work with. Those folks include Meatloaf, David Lee Roth, Ace Frehley, Steve Perry, Rob Halford, Ricky Martin, and so many more. John and his band The Creatures are about to head out on the Invasion Tour, so he joined me on the show to discuss the tour, how he'd want to be murdered if he were to be murdered, insane TV shows from the 70s, and a lot more. So before we dive in, here's some of the single Zoinks by John Five and The Creatures. <laughs> Is this John? This is. Hi, how are you today? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing very well. Uh, first off, forgive me if there's some weird background noises. I have a mobile unit and recording in a parking garage because uh, my no, podcast. There, there's, there's not. There's not any uh, weirdness. Lovely. All righty. Good to hear. Hey, where are you? Where are you calling from? Are you Central California or Northern? I'm in a town called Davis, outside of uh, Sacramento. Oh, okay. We're so most known Northern. for yeah, most known for the farm school out here. We're actually work. Uh, not that's, that's great. Not that's so much great. a farmer, though. No, 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 but that's a great area. Yeah, where do you reside these days? Uh, I'm in Los Angeles in Northridge. Cool, cool. Yeah. My, uh, my um, geography is, is rather lacking for that area. Uh, how were you with the whole fire thing uh, last year? Uh, we were okay. I was, um, but a lot of my friends and stuff, you know, like, just, it was just a mess. Like, you know. Tommy and Nikki, my friends from Motley Crue, they had to evacuate their houses, and it was a real mess. It was a, it was a, it was a mess. My area was uh, safe from the one up here in, in the greater, I think it was a Redding area, but we got all the ash mm-hmm. and the terrible air quality and stuff. So uh, we had similar lives and stuff. Well, friends losing. Yeah. Credit. Anyway, uh, shall we actually get into some uh, metal business or yes. rocking business, if you will? Uh, yes. I know we're a few weeks out, but as a jealous observer of shows that are happening nowhere near me, I have to ask how your uh, New Year's Eve Ozfest was. You know what? It was actually really, really, really great. I was super happy with it, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, let's see what happened. Let's see. Oh, well, I had. It was the first time my whole family was together. You know that like everybody was all together. So that was a really nice thing um, under one roof. Meet one roof being the forum <laughs> in Los Angeles. Right. But um, it was, uh, and then my buddy uh, Mickey Six came, and you know it was he jumped on stage with us. But it was very random. It wasn't planned or anything. I we were actually getting ready, and I said, "Hey, uh, Rob, maybe Nikki should jump on stage since you know he played." Shout the uh, Helter Skelter on the Shout the Devil album, and 
he's here and it's New Year's. And he was like, yeah, see if he wants to do it. So it was really kind of random like that. And it just worked out wonderful. People went crazy. And I feel like you intersect with a lot of these bands over the years uh, due to various sort of inter-band relations and whatnot. So are these sort of big festival shows and festivals in general for your reunions with some people? Uh, they are kind of like, you know what, they're kind of like, um, you know, rock and roll's uh, summer camp. Because you get to see everybody, all your friends, and you get to connect again. And there's, you know, food, and there's music, and there's games and all sorts of things so i always look at it like a you know rock and roll summer camp if you will because we're out there for a while together so it's it's fun if you were a camp counselor what would be uh the thing you teach uh guitar <laughs> <laughs> at rock and roll summer camp i feel like everyone's teaching guitar <laughs> yeah I, I would definitely be teaching guitar and uh and kiss knowledge 101 are you a competitive person when it comes to your guitar playing I'm not. Um, I, I really am not. I I love to learn, and I love to watch other guitar players see what they're doing, and be inspired. I don't. I've never looked at anything like this as competitive. I don't know. Maybe I should, but I don't. I really don't. I always look at it as, oh, that's awesome, and I want to learn that. You know, and I'll learn it and I'll play it and stuff like that. So I've always looked at um, guitar playing that way as a as a tool, other than a competitive thing. Would you say you're your own competition? I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I just love to learn and try to master something. You know, I, I it's it's what keeps me entertained and it keeps me from doing you know other things that probably wouldn't be so good <laughs> i don't know what those things would be because i've been playing guitar since i was seven but you know um i just really love what i do i, I wouldn't change it for the world uh what was the first sort of non i don't know if standard's the right word i want but non-bar chord non-basic chord sort of guitar trick that made you want to be more technical in your playing um you know that's a great question and i what made me want to play guitar was that TV show Hee Haw. Loved Hee Haw, and um, there there was a lot of it wasn't just rock. You know, of course, it was obviously country, and so a lot of the, those chords were, you know, out of your ordinary, if you will. So that's what I kind of started out with, and then the Hendrix thing, like he used a lot of crazy chords, and he used his thumb a lot, and I still use my thumb, you know. Uh, fretting notes on the E string, you know, barring things and, and things like that. But um, so I started out doing things a little out of the ordinary in the beginning. And I I read the hee haw fact on your Wikipedia page, so meaning it may or may not actually be a fact because you know it's Wikipedia. But yeah. um, one of the first influences it mentions for you, actually the first influence, is the Monkees. Um, yes. How did you discover Love the Monkees? Well, I just like any kid, like, you know, growing up, I loved TV. So everything was TV for me. And the monkeys, I just loved the music. And they would play guitar. And they would have these, you know, crazy fun adventures. And I just thought this was the greatest thing ever. And that's, um, 
And then that's how Hee Haw came about because that was also TV and Happy Days because they had a band, you know. A lot of that uh, TV around that era was revolved around music and um, thank God for it because it really did influence me a lot. Yeah, if you were more of a Bewitch fan, I figured I could see you as an astronaut instead because I think that's what Darren was? Whatever the main yes. lead in that was? <laughs> That's right. He was a, uh, yeah, yeah. He worked in some like, yeah, that's right. I, I watched Bewitch, but I wasn't crazy about it. Maybe that was a little before my time. Cause I think that was, I don't know, late sixties or something like that. I don't know. Anyways, I watch a lot of these in uh, Nick at night syndication. So I'm, I'm 30, but I have this weird knowledge of like, um, I've seen a bunch of the monkeys. There was the uh, banana splits I saw a lot of as well. So I've got this kind of 70s psychedelic kid show brain, and it's weird to me. Um, and it's very fun. It's very fun. It's like it's different than it is today. You know, the writing was great. I mean, Brady Bunch and uh, Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley and Good Times and all that stuff. I mean, it was wonderful, I thought. Yeah, I thought Happy Days was neat. It's a, a weird point of reference to whip out at people because people don't usually know what I'm talking about unless I do a Fonzie A, but that's right. That's just normal lexicon. Um, your your Wikipedia, like I said, is just full of people that you've worked with over your entire career. Uh, have you worked with a monkey at any point? I have not worked with a monkey, but I have met, I believe, all the monkeys except for one which is Mike Nesmith but um, I I remember and I remember vividly meeting them and I was like you know pretty taken back but I've never worked with a monkey and jumping around a lot on your your career how did you first meet Rob Halford I'm sorry if you talked to this about this to death but like my listeners may not know the entire story of John 5 yeah no um, I got introduced to Halford from um, this producer, Bob Marlette. And uh, I, of course, we were all Judas Priest fans. And, you know, I, I went to his house and, you know, met him and flew over to Phoenix. And it was like 10,000 degrees and had a candy bar in my pocket, sat on his white couch, freaked out, turned the cushion around before him knowing and didn't tell him ten year, until 10 years later that I did that. Um, but other than that, that was my only hiccup. <laughs> Everything else, you know, when I was with Halford was just so smooth and so awesome. It's just the greatest dude and the greatest singer. He really, he never really had an off night. It was weird. I always thought he was like a machine. I follow him on Instagram, and his Instagram is nothing but, like, crazy cat t-shirts. How much of his house is cats? Because I imagine it's just a cat, like, farm, and it's amazing. I don't really remember. I remembered it didn't smell like litter or anything like that, but uh, um, he is—he definitely is an incredible, incredible person. Like, just such a nice guy, and... Um, and I always thought people that were super, super talented like him, I always thought, you know, what do they have, what do they have to be upset about? Absolutely nothing. Nothing at all. Um, coming back to your, your uh, just long list of people, I saw live credit for working with Salt and Peppa. How was that? You know, that was, that was really something else. I, I had 
such a good time with that. What happened with that is I was at home and I got a call from my buddy that worked at the tonight show. And he said, Hey, listen, we need a guitar player tonight. Uh, well today for salt and peppers, you know, going to play here and they're doing a medley of their hits. And I was like, okay, you know, not that much guitar, but um, so I went in there, and of course I knew the songs, knew of the songs, but there's not like, if you listen to the songs, like, you know, um, their songs, there's not guitar in it. But um, they gave me these charts, and I had long, crazy hair, and I had a Del Taco shirt on, and these shorts, and Dude, it was the greatest thing ever. I, I loved it so much. I had so much fun. I saw them over the summer. They did like a pop-up set at Outside Lands, and it was still like a lot of fun. And the the crowd was just so positive. And they did a very similar like kind of hits medley thing, and that seems like it would be cool. But, yeah, guitar in them isn't something that usually jumps out. Like a Michael Jackson or somebody of that ilk, I imagine guitar solos. Not so much Salt Peppa. Yeah, but it really was. It was cool. And there was a lot of guitar. It was, um, and you know, you can find stuff on YouTube like Jay Leno and, and things like that. But, you know, I, I still can't find it. But I would do anything to find that. It's really, really, really cool. Loyal listeners, get looking. It's probably, get looking. it's probably deep in like an old Kazaa sort of torrent website somewhere. Yes, exactly. Uh, my last sort of what was it like Chris Farley show style question is about uh, working with Meatloaf. Uh, your song on Bad Out of Hell 3 is like my favorite Meatloaf song. How did that whole thing come to fruition with you and Nikki Six and him? Well, I've known Nikki forever. Um, but then, like, let me think. Let me, let me really think. Desmond Child, I worked with Desmond Child on The Scorpions and Paul Stanley. And um, he said, hey, would you come in and do some work with Meatloaf? And I was like, absolutely, you know. And we wrote the song, and it was the title track. And I'll tell you, man, that guy, too, is rad. Like, I really, after I recorded, I really got into his stuff and listened to it. And he's an incredible writer and an incredible singer. And I'm so proud that I got to play on that record and it went gold. So uh, I'm pretty psyched about it. Do you stay in contact with these people that you've done like sort of session work with or just toured with and, or are they more like just sort of former employers? See, I'm the kind of guy that likes to stay in touch with people. Yes. So I, I stay in touch with everybody. Is there somebody that you wanted to work with that it just didn't pan out? Like I could, I feel like later in life, his personal like religious beliefs might have gotten the way considering like your previous work with Marilyn Manson or Rob Zombie but I think you'd be great in like Prince's band you know it's funny you say Prince I mean I've mentioned Prince before in interviews but I um that was the one you know or a a Beatle of Ringo or a uh, Paul you know but um I uh one time got a chance to maybe go down to Paisley Park and Prince called me, and it was right when I joined Marilyn Manson. I mean, right when I joined. And we were making the Hollywood record, 
and we were kind of like just getting into it and I couldn't make it, but I did talk to him on the phone. He did invite me and all that stuff, but, um, yeah, I couldn't make it. Oh man. I, uh, every chance I get in this show, I like to, if I can, if I can talk about Prince, I, I do. I actually saw the revolution over the weekend and tears were shed. I, I miss that man a lot. Oh my God, dude, that guy was, let me tell you something. We, when I was with Katie Lang, we did this thing called the, um, VH1 Fashion Music Awards, and it was the first annual, and it was a show they had um, once a year. It was kind of like a, a runway show, if you will, with, with bands playing. It was like a ton of great people, Katie Lang and Madonna, Prince, and Peter Gabriel, all these greats, and we were playing there, and everybody kind of is in the backstage area together, and I love Prince, dude. I go nuts for Prince. And it's so weird. I've seen everybody perform and I've seen everybody play. And when that guy got up on stage, he did Pussy Control. I don't know if you know that song. Dude, I was like, oh my God, this is like from another planet. This guy was like, it looked like he was on ice and he didn't have any bones in his body because he was so like fluid and just like... It was it was the greatest thing I've ever seen. What what year was this? Because I saw him late in his life, and this was post, I believe, double hip replacement. He was less fluid, but he still had some moves. I was a little surprised. This was probably ninety seven, maybe was, ninety. Yeah, ninety seven. That was definitely pre then. I saw him with his uh, third eye girl band, and it was very like bluesy and almost stoner rock at some points. It was kind of great. Yeah, I, I'm telling you, he is. He really is something, and everybody has Prince stories, you know. Everybody. That's what has I've Prince noticed. Stories. It's the best, <laughs> and it's the gr- and they're the greatest stories, you know. Um, coming back to to you, I mean, I could talk about Prince all day, but uh, what took you so long to make your first proper solo album? Well, oh man, what a great question, dude. I was um, I was you know working and doing so many sessions and things like that. And I thought to myself, you know what? After I left Manson, or I, I got fired from Manson, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do a instrumental record just for fun, just for my friends. Because this was before YouTube or any of that shit. And I was like, I'm just going to do it. Just give it out to people. And um, I went and got on Shrapnel, Shrapnel Records. And it was, you know, I knocked it out. It's all its country stuff and blah, blah, blah. And people went crazy for it. I was like, what? You know, and I you just did it for fun. And people really enjoyed it. So I was like, well, I guess I'll make another, you know, and they and they just kept on getting more and more popular. I mean, not popular where I was like, you know, like, but just people enjoyed them. I should say that people really enjoyed them because I just do them for fun. But that's why I never toured because I was like, I don't know, man. I don't know if anyone's going to come and listen to this stuff, you know? But uh, when I did go out and tour, it was, I mean, it was like, I can't even describe how happy I was that people came to see this, you know? Because it was literally something just from the heart. It's like if you drew this picture and everyone's like, oh, wow, that's really good. And they really meant it. And they're like, we want to see you draw that picture. And it's like, oh my God, I can't believe that, 
you know, so it's really uh, from the heart when I go out and tour and stuff like that. I just um, really for it. You strike me as somebody that has just like a vault of material. Do you indeed have a vault of material? Like, how much of your day is writing? Um, it is. It's um, I'll be driving and I'll have like if I have to write for someone. It's and most you know I don't know people probably have this but I'll have the song a riff everything a chorus a melody everything in my head driving and then I'll get you know home and play it and it'll work great so um, it really is uh, a, a gift I don't know how to say it but I'm just so thankful for that you know just I'll hear something and I'll go oh that's cool you know sometimes it will be another song and I'll be like, Oh, well that didn't work out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it happens. Cause that's how, you know, I'll just hear something and it will be another song, you know? That was some of the fight song from Marilyn Manson's Hollywood, which John wrote and performed on. I'll have more with John 5 in just a moment, but first, this is my first band. Every musician has to start somewhere, and in this episode, Eric Danielson of Watane discusses his heavy origins. Uh, my first band was actually a, <clears throat> a, a band called System Slucked, which means like slaughter the system, I suppose. It was a D-beat, uh, kind of like a D-beat punk band that was... Like I guess equally inspired by discharge and battery. Uh, that was in '95, and I was playing drums and uh, doing vocals. And uh, yeah, it all went uh, uphill from there. Luckily. <laughs> <laughs> Watane are constantly touring and lighting shit on fire on stage. So for more on Watane, go to templeofwatane.com. Before I wrap with John 5, here's some of the criminally underrated track of The Monsters Loose by Meatloaf, which John and Nikki Six from Motley Crue worked on for the Meatloaf album Bad Out of Hell 3.
one of your albums, The Devil Knows My Name, has a lot of references to serial killers and murderers. So I'm assuming you have a fascination with true crime. Uh, how do you, what do you think about the whole scene that has come out of that fascination that's very mainstream now between podcasts and Netflix shows and blah, 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 blah? Well, I think it's there's a reason why it's popular because it's so out of the norm. You know, I am very interested in it because I'm so the opposite. Like, if I'm, like, walking outside and I'm, like, outside and I'm, I see, like, a bees drowning in the pool, I'll get the bees out of the pool. Like, I won't let them drown or anything. You know, I'm just that person. I think that's why I'm so fascinated by it that someone could do something so terrible and, you know, not even raise their blood pressure or heartbeat, you know, from it. It's just so strange. And that's why people are so interested in it, too, because it is so, you know, uh, out of the norm, if you will. Do you listen to any uh, murder podcasts like My Favorite Murder or anything? I don't because I'm so busy. I mean, I'm so busy. I was just playing guitar before I picked up the phone with you, and then that's what I'm going to go back doing. That sounds like the best. <laughs> I have to go back to work. Um, well, on their last episode, I don't know if you ever will get to it, but Conan O'Brien was a guest on it, and he mentioned that he would want to be murdered. Like, he does, he's loving life now, but he likes the idea with his true crime fascination that he would like to be murdered. If you were to be murdered, now, now, how would you that, like to that, go out? <laughs> now, is that, a, is that a real thing? Uh, that, is he was he serious or was he like joking? It's impossible to tell with Conan O'Brien. I I feel like there was some sincerity to it. Like he said he would like to be a murderer, but doesn't want to do the like actual dirty work of it. But the idea of going out in an interesting way, I think, was the the uh, the goal of his conversation there. Hmm. I so and then what was your question? I'm sorry. No, it's fine. Uh. If you were to be murdered, how would you like to be murdered, I guess? <laughs> uh, you know what? That's a fine question. This is, Actually, this has been such a great interview, too. Um, Thank you. I think probably as quick as possible, shot in the back of the head where you don't really know when it's coming, you know? And then just, I think it's, I think that that's it, you know? It's like really quick. Or maybe, or, no, or, or I know. Here we go. I I got it. I got it. I got it. If they like inject me with something that's like makes my heart race and then makes me have sex with my wife until I have a heart attack and die. I like the idea of going out that way. However, the stress mm-hmm. it would put on your wife that concerns me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, she'll get over it. Yeah, it's fine. It'll be the greatest sex for her, too. Perfect. <laughs> um, you're about to head out on tour, and I have a question about your band, The Creatures. Who are The Creatures, and how did you find these folks? Um, the Creatures... Um, the, the music is very, very, very difficult. It's, it's, it's really complicated. and um, But I just... You know, I love Steely Dan, I love Prince, and I love, you know, the stuff like we were talking about. And I just wanted to do something like that, you know, just something so crazy, and but musical still. And I needed a really good bass player. And I went to, since I live in Southern California, I was like, where can I find a great bass player? So I went to MI. 
And I said, give me the 10 best bass players you guys have. And I sat in their like little auditorium and they came out. The first guy comes out, schools it. I was like, great. This is going to be awesome. First guy nails it. And this is not easy stuff. I was like, this is going to be perfect. He leaves, then it's all downhill. And I was like, oh, well, I guess the first guy is the only guy. So that is Ian Ross. And Ian Ross has been the bass player since day one. And then he brought in a friend, uh, Logan Miles Nix, who's a phenomenal drummer. And both these guys are like really quiet. They're like, hey, hey, what's up? And like read books and like just really nice, normal guys. But unbelievable musicians i mean like staggering now when you set up this uh bass audition sort of gathering do these folks know who you are yes cool yeah 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 they know yeah so it's um it's great you know and i support you know i'm like you know when you're in the studio and they're like ah it's too busy it's too busy i'm like no bring it dude bring it so they love it you know wait a minute i get to play all these notes and i get paid for it and people like it you know i'm like yeah man so it's great and they're getting very popular and i love that you know because i just love seeing that um how it evolves it's really a lot of fun uh do you have anything out of the norm for a tour for you for the invasion tour coming up well, there is, we have like new songs. We have all these kind of cool production things. I have these amplifiers that are just oh crazy videos. Like, you know, people getting their head cut off and boobs and all sorts of stuff, you know. It's a crazy show. I mean, just imagine seeing like this visual the whole time, like just flashes of like, you know, blood and tits and guitars and like, and then this crazy, crazy music. And, and then we'll go do like Western swing music with like, or just break out like a mandolin. Just, it's such a weird, crazy show. And it's just built this like cult following. I'm just like, so happy about it. And we just keep pushing the, uh, the limits until, People are like, all right, this is now way too weird, not right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope you get to that point and then cross the line and then even go further because a live performance of Insane is my favorite. Yeah, me too. It is, it is my favorite too. All right, well, thank you so much for talking to me today. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day. This has been a lot of fun. And uh, I'm going to check that tour routing because I think it's coming near me. And this, this screen of tits and heads and whatnot sounds like a good time. Yeah, and guitar solos and all that stuff. And I oh, there's say, guitar you know, too? Hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm out. Never mind. I, wa- <laughs> I want to say, like, I do a lot of interviews, and your questions were really great. Thank you. I just wanted to say that. Yeah, really great. Yeah, I, I figured some stuff you've been asked a million billion times, and I wanted to get weird with it. So, yeah, that means a lot. Really great. Thank you. All right, thank you. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Later, sir. Bye. Bye.
5 and the Creatures are heading out on tour starting February 26th. For dates and more on the storied career of John Lowry, a.k.a. John 5, head to john-5.com and facebook.com slash john5official. I've been on a bit of a Sacramento kick lately, and this episode keeps that train rolling. I bring you one of the biggest fishes in the pond that is the music scene of my neighbor city, Sacramento. Journal might be the most technical band I've ever heard that still manages to embrace memorable melodies and extremely dense storytelling. I had a long, long interview with these guys last year that became my first Lost episode, and schedules just have not meshed since. I do hope to have a sit-down with these guys soon and chat again, but until then, I'm here to bring exposure to their album that came out last year, Chrysalis or Dalius. From that album, here is Duplicitous Moonlight in its entirety.
Pokemon Journal, head to journalmusic.bandcamp.com and facebook.com slash journalofficial. If you are in a band and you'd like to talk to me, potentially be on the show as a recommendation, you may email farbandmetaldan at gmail.com. I am on Twitter at Ovacord, that's O-V-A-C-O-R-D. The show is at underscore far beyond metal. Also, of course, facebook.com slash farbeyondmetal. The theme song is Far Beyond Metal by the band Strapping Young Lad from their album The New Black, courtesy of Century Media Records and Devin Townsend himself. Thank you for listening. A Catbox Production.